Show me the money. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 show you the money. That not so you. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yes. Louder. Show me the money. That's it, brother, but you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. A little bit of news to get to on the show. We've got some pressers, but at the end of the show, we're having on Dan Ben of the Giants Wire USA Today. Does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, it was a pretty fun interview. We did some analytics bashing at the end, so you know, <laughs> you know, the guy got a smile out of out of your boy. Even though I've been a real analytics guy, Justin. Yeah, Bobby, you're scaring me. I love it. I it's what I do. Um, Justin, this episode was brought to you. By all things Giants, who I know, I now know his real name, but he changed his Patriots, his Patreon name to All Things Giants. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dox the guy, but Justin, he brought us this show. Yes, and I'm in a way, I'm glad that he's our only Patreon member because that way he's the only sponsor, he's the only one that's bringing you the show today. Long, of the episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, of the episode, the show. We're up to like 31 now, so suck it. The guy who tweeted me the first day saying, LOL, it's your Patreon. Mm. Mm, good for us. Good for us. But in all in all seriousness, all things Giants, I know you're listening. Uh, you've been a longtime supporter of Bleeding Blue, and then even a longtime supporter. You followed me to Talking Giants, which I really appreciate. Uh, gives the He was already listening to Talking Giants. Well, I, he was, I think he was really listening to Bleeding Blue first. and then He, he did the episode recaps for us every, before you came on. Every single episode, mainly every single uh, long episode that we do. Um, does the episode recaps because we're funny people. So there's a lot that there's but a lot he of did ground. that before you showed up. But mm. I just want to let you know that but he did it. He did it for bleeding blue too. You're disrespecting yeah. bleeding blue. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> um, so thank thank you to him. Two dollars a month. Yeah. patreoncom slash talking giants. Bobby, rather than that, I don't need that money no more. Though. No, boy no, rich. I was just about to. I was just about to go there. <laughs> uh, rather than that, I'm doing well. I just put out a talking giants deep dive blog on this on some. Five or six stats that I feel the Giants need to improve on to have a successful 2020 season. So TalkingGiants.com. Go check it out if you like to read. And Bobby, you have some big personal news that's just big for the both of us, but it's mainly bigger just for you because your victories are my victories. Yeah, um, the Nets are up early in this game, and uh, (laughs) we're going to kick the Blazers out. Huge news for us. There's something else. There's nothing else. Nope, I don't believe you. Oh, I know what the news is. Yeah. There is an open job at the company that I was once a member of, and Justin Pennick is going to take the job at Beach Pool Service. Mm. Mm. Move, move, I'm going to bully you down the floor. There is no excuse. It is a flat-out disrespect to me that you don't move down the floor. Mm. Well, it's big-time disrespect then. What? All right, let's. this is terrible radio right now. What? What is – I know you don't like to brag, and I can tell that you're uncomfortable right now. It's not even bragging. It's just – it's just something that happened, but it's important for everybody to know, and I think they would appreciate it, and it's also, it's just big for us that it's continuing. We're going to take over. I guess you'll make me say it. I'm going full-time John Boy Media. 
starting September 14th. I could do it tomorrow, but I wanted to give the company, the company I've been working at for the last seven years, uh, a month notice to get ready because your boy's leaving, working, doing this full time. On a serious note, it is pretty cool. This all started with me doing this dumb Simple Man radio show with my friend Zach. Turned into um, joining Wegrin, uh, which probably most people on this don't know about. Meeting Danny King, me and Danny King doing our thing. Uh, I mean, some of our audio was really bad. We joined John Boy. And here we are, doing the damn thing, man. Full time. Pretty cool that this has turned into a career. Um, kind of scary, to be honest. But it's it's cool, man. And I, I want to... I mean. Thank you to the listeners. I mean, this is just the beginning, obviously. You know, that's cliche. But literally, like, that's the scary part. It's like, you know, to be real, this is going to sound like me patting myself on the back. But it's like, man, I've been working on these Florida suns 10 hours a day. Like, busting ass and then coming home and breaking down this film and doing, you know, I I think some really good stuff, you know. So now that it's like, okay, but now this is your job and your expectations to do this and do it at the NFL level and do it better and grow this and make more and more money. It's kind of scary, you know, when I've been, I've had the same job that I've been good at and been a trusted employee for seven years. And now it's like, all right, start afresh. And that's kind of scary, especially at age 28. No, but you've done it. You've grown it. You've transformed John Boy Media into a football company. It is. Uh, yeah, they talk about baseball too much. They they talk about baseball a little too much. But let's face it, it wasn't until Bobby Skinner appeared in January of um, 2018 that John Boy really it it didn't really start growing that much until you came around. Like, let's be real. It well, one it was like March of 2019. Oh. And yes, you're 100 percent right. Oh, John Boy had like a, like like 10,000 followers. No, it was 2019. I didn't join. I didn't join John Boy until 2019. I got my years confused. I'm sorry. This podcast was once called Giants Nation Podcast, hosted by Bobby Skinner and Danny King. How about that? Most people didn't know that. Most people didn't. But here we are. All right, can we get into some Giants? We've spent way too much time not yeah, talking you're, about the Giants. You're, you were the one that was procrastinating. Yeah, because I didn't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Ju- Justin, the Giants aren't signing Ross Cockrell, which sucks. For some reason, my brain is telling me that, oh, don't worry, they're going to figure it out because it's like, how do they not figure out? How do you get a guy in the testing protocol and it doesn't figure out? Like, I'm not throwing blame at, at anyone here. I I just don't understand how they didn't have a deal done. Like, what, what, how in the world do you get to the point where this guy has come in and started the testing protocols for COVID and you don't sign him? It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to speculate. You know, it could have been just a player personal thing of, hey, I want to pull out. I don't want to be here. I don't know. Um, I hope it gets done. I hope it was just like, hey, we were we were X amount of dollars off. And now let's just work it out. and Let's figure it out. There are some other solid free agent opportunities. If we want to go that route, Bobby uh, Ross Cockrell just seemed to fit because he was already here in New York. I hope they figure something out that isn't more than a one-year deal with the player. That's what I'm really hoping right now. Cause the, I mean, the I'm fine with just... the one-year deal with somebody. I just, I'm not comfortable going with what we have no, I going agree. into the 2020 at corner. And this is what we talked about. This is why we talked about before the DeAndre Baker stuff, why his growth was important, because we can't have teams picking on one side of us, where Ross Cockrell, I feel like, took that away and like doesn't make our defense good. But it gives our offense a chance to win games without our defense just totally losing us games. So, I mean, I know we did the whole speech on it uh, on the last podcast, but it, it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
fingers crossed. It's all we can do at this point. They've got to get someone. There's no way that it was Ross Cockrell or Bust. There's just there's just no possible way. Maybe they go get Drake or Patrick. I know people have been saying Logan Ryan, even though he didn't have the greatest numbers last year. He's a slot corner. And him and his agent have gotten to the point where they said, oh, no, he's actually a safety. So I don't I don't think Logan Ryan is an option. I know it's the big name, but I don't I don't think he's an option. Drake or Patrick could be one. Yeah. But for some reason, I just think that for that Ross Cockrell, it, it will be worked out somehow. The clock's ticking, Bobby. We're, we're at August 13th. This is going to be released on August 14th. That's a month away from the Giants season, which means that NFL season is even closer than a month. So. All these guys, this even includes Clowney. We saw um, Everson Griffin come off the board for <laughs> an absolute steal for the Dallas Cowboys. It's kind of crazy that he was that he was guaranteed forty something million dollars over the next couple years. He chose to opt out and take a chance on himself because he's a good player. So he thought he was going to get the big contract. Then COVID happened and Clowney didn't get the contract. So he went from making some $40 million over the next couple years to where he's making $6 million. So Bobby, the market, it's going to have to come down somehow. And, you know, maybe it's just a matter of timing um, for when the Giants agree to Cockrell or somebody else. Yeah, but let's figure something out because I'm just not comfortable going with Corey Valentine as a starter. Um, Some other quick news. Uh, before we get to coaches speaking, uh, the Giants signed DB Prince Smith, uh, who was waived by the Eagles out of University of New Hampshire, and then CJ Board, uh, wide receiver who's been around on practice squads, played a few games for the Jags last year. He only had two catches. Um, so yeah, I got nothing. I mean, we're not gonna. We're at the point of camp this where it's like we're not looking at some, these signings. These are just camp bodies. That being said, they did wave Kyle Markway, the tight end who. Uh, me and you liked. We thought he, or at least I liked him. I, you know, I realized that he was buried on the on the depth chart, but I figured for sure he'd be a practice squad guy. And one of my darlings from last year, Mark McLaurin, who mm. I thought was going to play money backer, broke his foot, and then the Giants signed a bunch of linebackers and drafted linebackers, and so I, I didn't really think he was going to make the team this year. But Mark McLaurin was like he was like someone who caught my eye last year because he was a a converted safety to linebacker out of Mississippi State. Yeah. And he intercepted Lamar Jackson three times in one game. How about that? Did you know that? No. I did. No, you didn't. I didn't know that. Um, You know, because we're still looking at this point. We're still looking for our backup strong safety. You know, you can argue that if Peppers goes down, McKinney is just, he's going to be less versatile in a way, and then McKinney would just slide right into that Peppers role. Um, but we don't technically have a backup safety. We don't know who is the number three safety on this team. I don't know. Chris Williamson, I, I don't know. Um, so that's kind of a not a scary part of the team, but it's something that I'm just interested in. We don't know. Yeah, it, it is true. I, I think we're banking on some of these corners being transferred over, whether it's, like you said, Williamson, Haley, who had some good stuff in the run game last year. Um, but yeah, that's... It's interesting. Mark McLaurin was never going to play safety, though. I think he was like a, he was officially a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to spend much time on this, but it's the only time we'll hear from the position coaches. So I figured we hit on it. Um, actually, no, we'll start with Joe Judge. We're going to have a scrimmage next Friday. Pads go on Monday. Media is going to be there. Hopefully, we'll get somebody on the show Monday night to talk about it. But pads go on, and then because we don't have preseason, they're going to have like some full-on scrimmages starting next Friday, which is, I can't wait. And they, they've got to figure out a way to stream that, Justin. I don't think they're going to. I really don't think they're going to because I think 
Joe Judge is all about, and not even Joe Judge, but I even I'm getting the impression based off of some things that I've seen on social media about the policies of even for beat reporters that are there about how much they can actually film, how much they can actually show. There's a good chance that because there's such limited practice time this year that they don't really want anything being, you know, uh, videotaped or anything like that for anybody to see, which I don't blame them. The things that they're going to be working on, there's going to be no throwaway plays. It's just going to be, you know, we're rocking and we're rolling. We're prepping for game, for week one and we're prepping for the start of the season. So um, th- I don't think it's going to be streamed, unfortunately. Maybe there'll be, you know, cameras of obviously the Giants, you know, Giants.com and the Giants social media account. They'll be doing the highlights and they'll be getting the highlight plays and they'll be posting that at the end of the day. But in terms of beat reporters taking videos, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think that's going to be happening. Just give me some sky view plays, not ground level plays where it's like you can't tell what's going on. Correct. Give me some sky view plays. That's I'll settle for that. Um, I did think about legitimately just like figuring out a way to just watch from outside the fence or something. Well, I mean, um, I I could do a drive by. All right, Julian, you're gonna do a drive by. <laughs> um, non- you should non- honestly. Why non- don't you drive? You should drive by and figure out what you can do. Just just drive just drive in circles all over over and over again. They did change the fencing. Uh, they they put sponsors on the fence. I don't know why. Um, they put sponsors on the fence now because, like I said, because nobody's going to be there, and it's not as high, but it's very blue. So I don't even know if you can even see over it. It's not clear. I wonder if you could just walk. If you, can I just walk, walk in? It. I'll wear my like, Giants walk, polo. Yeah, I don't know how it work, you know, because I I don't think there. It's not like they're ready for someone that camp it's like okay we got to make sure everyone stays in line and figures and stays behind the fences like they probably have like absolutely no security there so maybe maybe actually just walk in and see what happens i'll walk in with my microphone my 30 dollar karaoke microphone that i use for live streaming and i'll be we like could make a fake press pass um, there's people who do that I'll, uh, I'll ask zach rosenblatt to to print me out something mr brown so uh mr brownstone said they get a drone which that actually would they probably would like sue you for that um if he did a drone joe judge would shoot it he would get a gun and he would shoot it (laughs) ricky style um i I like that speaking of zach rosenblatt we had another heavy metal question of mark colombo asked yeah um and jason garrett like myself said it's a little too harsh for him and it was what was funny is garrett was like yeah we let him go do uh his band for a couple years but we always knew he was going to be back but I, I just find it to be very funny. Now, Friday, today's the day. Zach, I mean, you're probably not listening to this, but Zach, if he comes through, I'm going to give him a pizza. I'm going to hand deliver him a pizza pie to training camp next year. Don't know how I will do it, but I'm going to do it. I told him on social media, if you find a way to ask Mark Colombo about his, his heavy metal band, Free Rain, because he's asked it twice this week. But both of the opportunities where he's asked it, it's come very organically. He hasn't had to force it. Where with Will Hernandez, they were talking about Andrew Thomas singing, and then Jason Garrett just naturally mentioned, like you said, and then Zach asked him to expand upon it. Yeah, he asked him if he liked it. Yeah. Um. So that was in- interesting. The only like real thing I took from Garrett was saying the approach that uh, Daniel Jones takes uh, to the game is what makes him unique. That is coach talk, but it is something that we actually believe, so I like him saying that. 
Um, I didn't really have anything else from that. Graham. The one, well, the one question that I really wanted Garrett to answer was in regards to how he might have changed or how he's evolved since he was last time an offensive play caller, which was 10 years ago. And he deflected the question. So I was like, the one thing I wanted to hear, he deflected it. So they're deflecting everything. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a Patriots way type of thing. They Darn are it. deflecting everything. Um, I mean, they can't even answer questions on injuries. Um, Graham, you know, he did the multiple line. We've been through that a thousand times. I did like that he brought up when asked about Dexter Lawrence. Like, there was a screen against Tampa where he chased it down from the back end. And I remember that play. There was also so one was against nice Minnesota. Are you sure it wasn't Minnesota? No, it was against Tampa. All right, that he did it twice. Um, so, at least at least that's what I think it was. Um, maybe it was Minnesota. But that was interesting that he brought that up. That was pretty cool. Because we talked about that on his PPP. So, we're thinking the same thing that Patrick Graham is thinking. Yeah. Freddie Kitten from the position coaches. Freddie Kitchens. I love the guy um, from everything we've heard that he was a great tight ends coach, great position coach. The fact that the Cleveland Browns gave that guy a head coaching job was just hilarious. I mean, he's just not a head coach. You can just tell by the way he talks. I love him. I think he's probably a, a great person to hang around. But the fact that he got a head coaching job and was the representation of the Cleveland Browns is so Cleveland to me. The fact and the fact that Baker Mayfield is the one who went and asked them to do that is unreal. I love it. I love that they gave that guy a head coaching job. It shows how dumb Cleveland is. As Brownsy as it getsy, some would say. As Brownsy as it, um, when it's Brownsy, it's Downsy. How about mm, that? What's more hilarious that they gave Freddie Kitchens a head coaching job, or we gave Ben McAdoo a head coaching job? Uh Freddie Kitchens. Okay. At least Ben McAdoo like had done like at least a couple years of success. Um, unreal, but he, it was funny. Dan Duggan said like, nice to meet you or, or, you know, quote unquote. And Freddie kitchen did the like, Ooh, yeah. Nice to meet you. And did like the fist bump through the screen. I think Duggan and, was thrown off. If you watch, yeah, if you watch that interview, it, Duggan was like, what just happened? I'm we're <laughs> we're going to get him. We're going to get him on the show. I don't know when, but we will ask him about that. But the, you know, I, I do think he was like, oh, like you're actually like fist bumping me halfway through my question. <laughs> um, I think, du but it's it seemed it sounded like Duggan was just like, like all right, yeah, whatever, dude, um, which was pretty funny. Uh, I have nothing else. Coach Chaos, oh. the defensive line coach, yes. Sean Spencer, he's a ball of energy. Um, the Chaos stuff is real deal. He's got those. D What's nice is you know that those guys on the D line, like none of them are divas. You know what I'm saying? So you know they're going to buy into like that hardworking stuff, and that's what we talked about when a lot of these guys were hired when they had the college backgrounds. It's like, well, this team's young enough to where that's okay, that where you can do, you know, you can't go full on college coach, but you can do it to a degree and more so in, in like positional coaches. And that guy is just a ball of energy. You can tell he brings it to the field every single day, and I'm so glad we got him instead of Freddie Roach, that bum, that that. Bum, who who left us for what was it, Miss Ole Miss? Mm-hmm. That bum, and then he went to Alabama. Guy can't Freddie Roach. Musical chairs. We did a whole interview with somebody. Yeah, Freddie Roach, you jerk. Yeah, with Ben Garrett, Ole Miss uh, beat writer. Shout out. I mean, do you got anything? Can we kick it to uh, Dan Benton? Let's kick it to Dan. Um, Dan, this was a fun interview, really good time. Uh, Dan has a lot of a lot of experience and. I like how there was a span of just like three, four, five minutes, whatever, where we were just talking about how we love football. 
<laughs> and it was just yeah. really it was just really refreshing to have that kind of conversation of you you know just like how awesome football is so uh i think everybody's gonna kind of enjoy it especially when i feel like the hype around football isn't really here right now especially since two of the major sports are entering their playoffs and baseball's going strong so get excited about football try yeah and you know we have beat writers on and it's not beat writers jobs to be fans of the team you know um but it was nice to talk with Dan, who's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a diehard Giants fan. And then talk about how, you know, we're, we're in a similar space. Um, you know, we're, we don't have to be as professional as Dan, but it, it was a, it was a fun interview. And like I said, at the top, we did a little analytics bashing at the end. Hmm. Well, not really analytics bashing, but analytics people bashing. Um, you know, Justin, Justin, you're an analytics guy, but I like the way you handle it. Um, but I could tell you probably wanted to push back a little bit, but I, I respect you for not going in and try and ex- giving us like a 10 minute explanation. No problem, Bobby. <laughs> All right. All right. Dan Benton. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on to the program. He's been a, a, a writer covering the Giants for almost 16 years. Lead editor of the Giants Wire for USA Today, Dan Benton. What's going on, Dan? Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on. I've been a big fan of yours, Bobby. You and I have talked uh, privately before. Big fan of what you guys do. So it's a, it's a thrill for me to finally be on your show. I know. I know. We've Like you said, we've had some private conversations, and uh, you guys do a good job. I'm constantly pumping out. You know, we've had some of your guys, John Fenley on, other, other people. So had to finally get the king on of Giants Wire himself, Dan Benton. I appreciate that, guys. Let's talk some Giants football. Well, I'll ask you. You've been doing the covering the Giants for a long time. What's it like going into a year without Eli Manning? I mean, I know it was craziness with the combo of Eli and Jones, but what feels different going into a camp season without Eli? It's really bizarre. Believe it or not, this is actually my 17th year, and uh, I came in right after – actually right before the Giants drafted Eli Manning in 2004. So, well, I traded for Eli. Uh, Be specific about that before people come at me for that (laughs) mistake. But, yeah, anyway, it is is very strange. Uh, All I've ever known covering the Giants is Eli Manning. So, it's it's bizarre to not have him, you know, talk to reporters this year. It's bizarre not seeing him on the field, even though obviously things are a little bit – Uh, different this year compared to years past but uh, just the lack of Eli's presence is is almost surreal actually in a way I don't think there's any other way to explain it it's just he was so ingrained in in the area and the Giants and football especially if you're covering the team that it's a very bizarre feeling to not have him around the team or the or the buildings right now it's crazy to say was now when it talks about Eli and I had this thought you know immediately it won't kick in and it's not like Eli's going to be going crazy with quotes. But like going forward, when we get Eli quotes, it's going to be like those stories, like Phil Simms' opinion on this. And it's like, man, that is it's kind of crazy to see Eli move into that role. Yeah, it, well, it's already been strange to just write about him in a past tense. You kind of have to catch yourself every once in a while and then and readjust what we're writing or what we're what I'm editing because I'm not the only one. You know, it's it's an adjustment. You get you get so used to something that it, it's just very bizarre when suddenly because it's almost like a light switch. He was there and then he's not, and it's just it's a it's a really strange thing, especially for someone who was larger than life like Eli was. 
And considering that Eli is gone and now considering that Daniel Jones is no longer a rookie, there's just more hype when you have a rookie quarterback in the building compared to, you know, second year and beyond. And also just considering where we are right now in terms of covering football, three major sports are happening right now. Two of them are entering into the playoffs. So, so Dan, I feel like there's not as much hype around football right now as there normally would be. I kind of want to let you go for a minute here and just describe you know, what gets you excited about training camp in this time of the year? Um, and what keeps you coming back to covering football, covering sports and, you know, doing this whole thing over and over and over again? Well, I mean, for me personally, it's it's sort of twofold. Um, one, I'm a lifelong Giants fan and I've just I, I'm blessed to be able to cover the team that I grew up watching that I love that my father, you know, lifelong fan himself got me into. It's 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 different because it's it's not really the norm in this industry. You don't always necessarily get to cover the team that you're a fan of. Um, I have a lot of writers that have worked for me that have moved into editor roles and they're covering teams like the Colts and the Titans, but they're Giants fans themselves. And, you know, that's the normal path that, that a sports writer or a sports editor will take. You don't usually get the luxury of covering your favorite team. So right out of the gate, that keeps me coming back because I bleed blue with, with everyone, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that I, I can be a little bit of a homer at times. I try not to be, of course, you try to be as unbiased as you possibly can be, but I love coming to work every day because I get to cover the team that I would obsess over anyway. So it really just kind of falls right in line with my lifestyle. So I've lucked out in that way. Uh, beyond that, I'm just, I just love the game of football, period. I don't think there's a better game, a better sport on the planet. And I'll argue that to the death. Um, you know, I played football growing up. I was semi-pro and um, I just love the game of football, period. I think it's, you know, it's, it's highly entertaining. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a violent sport, which, you know, people don't want to hear you say that anymore with CTE and all that. We of. like it on here. But <laughs> yeah, good. that's what it is. It's a violent sport, and there's just something very, very enjoyable about that. And then when you start to drill it down a little bit more, there's a lot more involved in the game of football than a lot of outsiders would think. People who are maybe not as familiar with the game or just watch it casually. Football is it, – it's like a game of chess in the most violent way. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like I – and I, I actually want to ask you what position. Well, let, let me go there first. What what position did you play? You said you played ball. I played outside linebacker. All right. Maybe we'll uh you know next camp when we're there. I played offensive tackle. Maybe we could set up like a, <laughs> a, a, a video. We'll do like five reps of one on one or something. <laughs> um, I remind myself. It's like you know I'm only 28, so I'm not. It's not like I'm I'm past my prime. But it's like you haven't gotten in a real three point stance in like five years, Bobby. Like that. Like. I can't, I can't tell you how much I miss putting it, the helmet on. I in really, my mind, I'm like, do this, do that. And I'm like, you know what? It's like you struggle with this stuff in college. Or you think you're just going to pick it back up and be fine? Yeah. Uh, um, you mentioned it being like a chess game. It is crazy because, you know, I, I feel like I have a decent grasp of the game. And, you know, I try to do my voiceovers and stuff like that. But I'm also like, there is so much I don't know. Like me and Justin were talking about doing a video on something where it's like, I get the concept, but it's like, I have no idea how to call this out and stuff, you know? So it's, yeah. it's a sport where you're con consistently learning, you know, where it's like, I, I feel like I have a good grasp, but people ask me questions all the time, right? Tell them like, honestly, I have no idea what a cornerback is going to do in that position. Exactly. And, that, and that's the best approach. And I appreciate that approach. It's one of the reasons why I really like the work that you guys do, because you see all the time and I'm not going to name names and I'm not trying to knock any other analytics expert or any other writer, but you, you will see where these people, writers, analytic experts, pundits of whatever kind, even fans, 
will talk about how they know exactly what's going on in a play. And that's just, it's not realistic. Unless you're working with those teams and you understand their schemes, their plans, their playbook, their calls, you're not going to get it all. You're just not going to. And I think a lot of the players have actually come to respect me over the years because I don't pretend like I know it all because you can't possibly know it all. And, um, you know, there have been a few times I'll admit where, you know, we made an assumption and had an agent reach out to us and tell us, no, you're, you're wrong. And, you know, we try to kind of stay away from that for that exact reason, because the truth is, is as much as you know about football, there's that much more that you don't know about football. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm more of an analytics fan myself, but one of the things that I've really learned, especially as we've seen the rise of, you know, passing is king, the National Football League, but we've also now seen teams like the Ravens, teams like the 49ers and teams like the Titans, that they've just totally kind of changed the the context surrounding, you know, passing is king, passing is king. So mentioning how, you know, football is a game of, uh, it's a game of chess and it's a beautiful game of chess, how you can, you know, be successful in multiple ways. It's just absolutely it's fascinating. A rea- so it's I'm, a re- gl- I'm glad you touched on it's it. It's a reactive game where it's like, you know, when all passing and now it's all these DBs on the field and you see teams like, all right, we're going to bring two tight ends on. That's, that's what it is. It's a constant game of evolution. That's the other fun part about football is you, every time you think you got it pinned down, the whole the whole game changes and we're we're seeing that again we've seen that a lot in recent years but yeah we're we're definitely seeing it again teams adjust and readjust and adjust and readjust and that's that's just what makes this game that much more entertaining as far as i'm concerned so let's move to kind of giants now um i really want to ask we've been having a lot of conversations on this podcast recently about the pass rush we'll just move to the pass rush you're an outside linebacker yourself um pass rush as a whole Obviously, it's not the group that we had about a decade ago or even just four years ago back in 2016, but unlike 2016, there's actually depth here. We won't be asking a single a single one of these edge rushers to be lining up on the field 90% of the time like we were Vernon and JPP. But So where do you stand on this Giants pass rush, especially considering maybe the tough offensive lines that we're going up against in the NFC East? Well, you're going to have to uh, – Patrick Graham, he's going to have to scheme. He's going to have to scheme well. Uh, we've seen – you know, some other teams, the Baltimore Ravens, you talked about them a little bit earlier in a different context, but the Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots, they're really great at creating a pass rush without that one singular elite level edge rusher who changes the game. Of course, that kind of player would help any defensive coordinator and any defense in, in professional football. But what I like to see out of the Giants right now, or what I've liked that I like I've seen is this whole notion of being multiple and not trying to stick down to any one specific format, one specific scheme, one specific alignment, the giants, they don't have that luxury. If we're being realistic, they just don't. Uh, Marcus golden who just returned is obviously a very talented edge rusher, but he's not going to be the be all end all for the giants when it comes to the edge rush. So I like the idea of them trying to create a pass rush from different angles through different blitzes, through different packages and through a constant rotation of defenders, Um, throw as many different looks as you possibly can at the other team, keep them on their heels and, the pass rush will come as long as the guys can stay healthy and really truly buy into the system and are willing to sacrifice individual statistics for the greater good of the team. Yeah, it's like you said, Patrick Graham staying multiple. It's going to be interesting to see how like true he stays to that because um, you did see him do some different stuff in Miami, but you always have like those base principles. Um, another position, wide receiver, where you don't really have the guy, but you have guys. 
How do you view that trio of Slayton, Tate, and Shepard? Do you think there's one that's like at the end of this year, I'm like that's the number one guy, you know, is it, or is it, is it going to be last year where it seems like one guy's the touchdown guy, one guy's the yard guy, and one's the reception guy? Yeah, I think it's probably going to end up being a little bit more like that. And that's not a knock on any single one of those guys. It's just that, you know, for example, Tate and Shepard obviously have a pretty similar skill set and have traditionally found success in similar roles. And obviously you have to find ways to keep uh, both of them involved and happy, which means moving them in and out. Tate probably more so inside than than Shepard. And you do have Slayton, who, although he's not a big tall guy, has already proven himself to be a pretty a, a pretty big time threat down the field and he seems to be taking it very seriously and not just kind of you know riding out his rookie success and thinking it's going to come easy to him he's working hard he has a good rapport with Daniel Jones and I think you know we're going to see a better slate in in year two than we saw in year one Uh, but again I I don't think any one of them is going to stand out in, in the sense that we look at him and we're like okay that's wide receiver one especially when you factor in Evan Ingram, so long as he can stay healthy. Barkley coming to that backfield. Deion Lewis now, who's also, a, you know, a good pass catcher out of the backfield. So I think it's actually a luxury for Daniel Jones that he's going to be able to really spread the ball around. But at the end of the day, even when we're looking at it statistically, I don't think there's going to be one guy that stands out who's like, that's the number one guy. And I think even beyond that, we're going to see impact from players like Corey Coleman, as long as he can stay healthy, maybe David Sills, some of the undrafted rookie wide receivers. Some of them are, you know, are bigger taller guys that may get the opportunity to be on the outside and stretch the field a little bit but again I think it's going to be almost like I I hate to use the word because people hate it so much but it's almost going to be like a a committee as far as the production goes right and so that's a trio of wide receivers you mentioned another trio the undrafted guys this just came to me Uh, I won't ask you which one because it's hard to like really go through each undrafted free agent but you got Benjamin Victor who's got the size Austin Mack who doesn't really have the speed or like the great size, but you, you like he's probably the best route runner, most crisp guy. And then you got Derek Dillon, who's got like this supposed four two nine speed. Which one of those guys would you go for if say you have the three, Corey Coleman at four, and you're adding a fifth? Which out of those three would you would you like to see step up? I'm going to say Victor merely just because of the size, uh, because that's really what the team is lacking uh, predominantly at the top of their wide receiver depth. I obviously I can't say that he'll come in and, and, and you know win that role or come in and be that guy immediately. But right. from the outside looking in, when you're just looking at what the Giants need compared to what they have, he seems to be the most logical guy to step into that role and hopefully give the team, you know, a, a big time target on the outside, a big time end zone threat where, you know, Daniel Jones can kind of chuck it. And, and just hope he goes up and get it in, in the way that Plaxico Burst did for Eli Manning for all those years. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with Benjamin Victor because even you know number one you have the size, number two it's the you know you go up and you can moss dudes, he's good at locating the ball. But a, a, a place where Daniel Jones struggled in 2019 was like the 10 to 19 yard range. Um, so even Benjamin Victor's catch percentage and what he did at Ohio State from the 10 to 19 yard range, not just 20 plus yards down the field, but that 10 to 19 yard range, he had some pretty good catch percentages. So I think um, one of our last ones that we have for you is talking about Daniel Jones um, and from his rookie year, from last year and from what you've seen so far, what are the qualities 
about Daniel Jones that most stick out to you? Could be good. I can imagine most of them are hopefully good, but the, even if there's one that sticks out to you, um, that's not so good. This, this could be just maybe through off the field or on the field. What sticks out to you about the qualities of Daniel Jones? Well, I mean, I think, the, obviously, I think one of the biggest glaring weaknesses is the fact that he has to work on his decision-making, and that doesn't necessarily mean specifically in his decision to pass the ball, but his decision to run the ball. Uh, he was really keen on taking big hits and trying to keep the extra yards, keep a play going last year, obviously resulted in a lot of fumbles. That's clearly something he's going to have to work on. He obviously added bulk this year to help work on that, but I know that's not going to solve the problem outright. He's going to have to realize that occasionally he needs to get down. He needs to throw the ball away. If he's feeling, if his internal clock is going off, he's got to get rid of the ball. He can't stand in the pocket and take hits. Even if he's, you know, like I said, added that bulk, he's going to lose the ball. And I think he, He's put a great emphasis on that this offseason, and he's worked very specifically uh, on that as, as far as, you know, the mental aspect of, of knowing when to get rid of the ball, knowing when to go down, knowing what not when to take a shot. Anything he can do to reduce, the, reduce those turnovers. Um, I really think that's one of the few negatives there are about Daniel Jones, to be honest. And I don't – again, this isn't one of those things where it's like, oh, here goes, you know, Homer talking about Daniel Jones and how great he is. I think anybody that actually sat down and watched Daniel Jones last year can, you know, attest to the fact that he's got talent and there is a lot there that he can work with and that he has a potentially high ceiling. And some of those positives obviously include his, well, first of all, his willingness to take a hit. Again, you've got to be selective when, when you do that. But the fact that he can stand in the pocket, take those hits and still deliver the ball is going to be a big thing, especially if the offensive line holds up better than it did last year and better than it has in recent years. Um, he's not afraid to take a shot down the field. He trusts his receivers. And that's, that's a huge thing in the mindset of a wide receiver is like, okay, this guy trusts me. So I got to make sure he continues to trust me. And you've heard people like Slayton actually talk about that previously and say, you know, I want to make a play for this guy because he has that trust in me. He's got a big arm. He's got a strong arm. He's extremely accurate. But I think the thing that's going to serve Daniel Jones the best is that he has a very Eli Manning-like mindset. He's a sponge when it comes to coaching, to learning, to evolving, to developing. He leaves no stone left unturned whatsoever, and it's that level of perfectionist that's going to serve him the best at the NFL level. I agree, man. And I think that can be kind of cliche sometimes with other positions, but with the QB position, Obviously, you have to have the you know the accuracy, the the arm power, and stuff like that. But I really think the most important thing is your mindset and how you put in that work, and not just you know doing three hours of of bent of of in the gym stuff, but like your mental preparation, and that paired with like you said, his just willingness, like he just shows no fear. It's kind of like his it's his weakness and his strength is that the guy just has no fear in the pocket. That match with the mental like like. Like the way he approaches the game, man, that's what excites me more than any, anything. From exactly. And as soon as he finds that perfect balance there, the sky is really the limit for this kid. It's not like you've got some guy who's coming in who doesn't have a strong arm. He's got a moderate arm. He's got a strong arm. It's not like he's moderately accurate. He's very accurate. And I think, you know, you know, getting a grasp on Jason Garrett's offense, trusting his offensive line, which should improve, trusting his – 
his, you know, his skill position players, assuming they can all stay healthy on the field. I think if those things improve around him, you're going to see Daniel Jones take a massive leap in year two. And a product of that, like we just said, is going to be his, you know, his obsession on improving, on knowing what's going on and knowing what the defense is showing on being able to adjust and adapt from a play by play basis. And he just strikes me as a kind of guy who's, just not going to let himself fail mentally. Yeah, I like that. All right, Dan, I'll finish it off with this. Now, with Giants Wire, with the nature of, of of that, a lot of times you guys have to talk about like stuff that ESPN did if they did a ranking or stuff. So what what is your mindset when you're writing that, when it's like the Giants have the second worst that, and you just you already know that your mentions are going to be on fire with people pissed off for the day. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you know, after so many years, you kind of get used to it. I was making a joke with some of my writers the other day that we could write uh, one article and then write an article that is stating the exact opposite of the original. And we're going to get the same the same amount of hate no matter what it is. We're <laughs> always, whether we're talking about ESPN's rankings or our own rankings, we're always idiots. We never know what we're talking about. How did we get this job? No one will ever be able to figure it out. You know, that's just that's just the nature of this business. I don't really let it phase me too much anymore. I think what I actually have to do more often than worry about what the fans and readers are going to say to me is make sure that I am not too visceral in my response to things that I don't agree with. Uh, and there are times certainly with, you know, PFF is, is a good example. And I love those guys over there. You know, I talk to those guys all the time, but there are some analysis that they give that sometimes just leaves me shaking my head and I just, I really strongly disagree with it. And uh, and I think that's kind of the bigger challenge is not throwing other people under the bus because you don't necessarily agree with them. Dan, I'm going to try and be more tame this year. But last year, I I had a month where I just went to war with PFF, just going going at everything. And it was also like they just started doing some crazy stuff like the Giants should draft a QB. They then they put out like the, you know, they the running back matter like I, I Defense doesn't matter. They did. The defense doesn't matter. And I just lost it. I was like, you guys got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah. yeah. A couple years ago, what really started it for me with them is they actually gave Eli a negative grade for a touchdown pass. And I'm just like, (laughs) come on. Come on, guys. (laughs) Yeah. it's it's, I I think their biggest flaw is they go into bad because they're trying to, like, we want to tell the truth, not just box score. I think they go into uh, good box scores and say – surely it can't be this good. And then they go into bad box scores and go, surely it can't be this bad. You see, this is one of the most unique things about advanced analytics is everybody wants to harp on the fact that, you know, Gettleman, he doesn't embrace the analytics. He does, obviously. But what level of the analytics do you embrace? Because for every one analytic that you, you know, put out there and say, this proves this, you can pull out another analytic and says, well, that completely disproves what you just proved. So, yeah, that's that's the, I guess that's kind of the fun of advanced analytics, but it kind of leaves sort of a hole in in the uh, in the justification of some of these statements and some of these grades and things like that. It's because it is subjective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for every like I said, for every one analytic that proves something, you could find another one that disproves it. And you can just keep going back and forth like that all day. And that's actually what I always tell my writers. Absorb all that information, but trust your eyes. Just yeah. trust your eyes. Watch the game. If you understand what it is that you're seeing, just watch each player. Your eyes will tell you the truth. They don't lie. Yeah. And I've always been a big uh, sayer. PFF, gra- PFF does analytics. Their grades are not analytics. They're just opinions. 
where they put a grade on it. Anyways, I'm not going to do the whole PFF rant again. Uh, it's been, it's been a nice off season. Uh, Dan, we'll let you go. Um, you know, make sure to follow him at the Giants wire. You guys keep doing the good stuff and we'll, we'll definitely have to do something again, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Anytime you want me on, just let me know. It sounds good. All right. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Can somebody get me the analytics people on the phone right now? All right. Thank you, Dan, for coming on. Make sure to follow at the Giants wire. Um, they put out a lot of stuff. Been a guy who supported us from the beginning, so I, I appreciate that from Dan. We'll be back on Tuesday. Tuesday, show, actually, we'll be back on Monday with a player profile and projection. But Tuesday, we'll be back for a regular pod. We should have an interview with somebody who's at practice. I'll say should because you know how it goes. We've had people bail on us, but we should have an interview with someone who was at the first padded practice on Monday which I'm excited for. I think that will be the beginning of camp as beat reporters being at camp. Um, so can't wait for that. We appreciate you guys. Hey, you know, I know we joked around at the beginning, but me going full-time is a, it's a cool moment. It's a, it's a big moment in my life, you know? And so a lot of you people were at the beginning at, of all this. So appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go big blue.